Uh, mothers, man, we're glad you're here today, and uh, hopefully the Lord will speak a, a, a word of truth into your life. Someone has said, rightly so, that parenting isn't for cowards. <laughs> Anybody agree with that? Parenting isn't for cowards. And, and I think all of you mothers who are here would agree with that. It is one of the most demanding and difficult jobs in the world, uh, but it's also the most rewarding and sometimes it even can be a whole lot of fun. The other day I read a little something entitled, You Know You're a Mom If. And so I want to see how many of these apply to you. You know you're a mom if, number one, you count the sprinkles on each kid's cupcake to make sure they're equal. Come on now, you got to get into this. First service was roaring at these. And I know that's true, not only for cupcakes, but at my house for Christmas gifts. Kids, I don't know if y'all know, but Mama, make, Mama Ange makes sure y'all have the same number of presents under the tree and that the accumulated value of each kid's presents costs the same. That's the way Mama Ange rolls, all right? You know, so it drives me crazy. But anyway, the kids love it. Number two, you know you're a mom if you hide in the bathroom just to be alone. <laughs> Number three, you know you're a mom if you hope to goodness your kid has a sniffle so that you can give him a spoonful of sleep-inducing medication. <laughs> Don't call DHS, please, all right? Number four, you know you're a mom if you never catch the plate or the glass that your child knocks over, but you always catch their stomach bug. <laughs> Number five, you know you're a mom if you consider finger paints to be a controlled substance. <laughs> Number six, you know you're a mom if you hope ketchup is a vegetable because it seems to be the only one that your kid consumes, all right? Number seven, you know you're a mom if you hear your mother's voice coming out of your mouth every time you say something like, not in your good clothes. <laughs> or as Zane reminded Mama Ange this past week, if you say, if you fall out of that tree and break both of your legs, don't come running to me. Number eight, you know you're a mama if you hire a babysitter because you haven't been out with your husband in ages, but you spend the entire night calling in to check on the kids. Right. Number nine, you know you're a mama if you use your own saliva to clean your baby's face. Right. And then number ten, you know you're a mama if you say at least once a day, I'm not cut out for this job, <laughs> but you wouldn't trade it for the world. Amen? You know you're a mama if. Well, this morning I would like to speak to the ladies who are here. None of the rest of us who are in this room completely understand all the things that you go through and put up with. I'm giving breaks for y'all to respond, right? I mean, us guys. We just don't get it. The guys don't get it. So nobody here understands what you're going through except for God. And ladies, I want you to know that our God, He sees, He hears, and He understands. So open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 16. It's our passage for, the, for today. Uh, 
This past week, I was really struggling at the first of the week with what I was going to preach on Mother's Day. When you've been at a church for almost 21 years and had uh, almost that many uh, Mother's Days to preach, you, you run out of topics to preach on. I mean, how many Mother's Day messages are in the Bible? And uh, I've preached, I think, on every one of them. And so I was, I was kind of whining to my wife and saying, Angie, I just don't know what I'm going to preach on this Sunday. And she said, well, well what about Mother's Day? No, she did pretty obvious. She said, what about that story in Genesis chapter 16? I, I love that story. It's a great Mother's Day passage. And quite frankly, I couldn't remember what it was, so I had to go back and read it. And uh, so this message today was inspired by, by Miss Angie because the passage really did speak to my heart. I, I tried to get her to write the whole message, <laughs> but, but she wouldn't bite on it. But uh, here's what's going on in Genesis chapter 16. Here in a second, I'm going to start reading at verse 6. But let me explain what's going on up until verse number six. Uh, remember Abraham and Sarah. Abraham married this good-looking woman. We know that Sarah was beautiful because on two different occasions the Bible tells us she was a beautiful woman. Abraham got mighty lucky when he married Miss Sarah. Well, when they were young, they left Ur of the Chaldees to go into a land that God was going to give Abraham for an inheritance. And from the very get-go, the promise from God is, I am going to bless you, Abraham, and Sarah with a son. And through this son, I am going to build a great nation. And so days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into years, and they have no baby. And they keep asking God, where is the promise? Where is this baby? And God keeps telling them, I'm going to give you a baby in my own good time. But it's been years now, and there's still no baby. And Sarah's getting old. And she's thinking, there's no way. There's no way I can physically have a baby any longer. God's not going to make good on his promise. And here's the first problem. Sarah takes things in her own hand. She tries to solve the problem on her own without waiting for God. We get into big trouble when we do that, people, all right? And so that's where Sarah went wrong. She came up with this idea. She, she said to Abraham, her husband, Abraham, remember when we were down in Egypt? Uh, you bought for me on the slave box a young, beautiful woman by the name of Hagar. And for these last years, at least 10 years, she has been my maid servant. You know who I'm talking about, Abraham? Yeah, yeah, I know Hagar. I know you. She, she said, so here's my idea, Abraham. I am going to give you my maid servant, Hagar. I am going to let you marry her as a secondary wife and sleep with her and get her pregnant so that she can have a baby and then I will have offspring through Hagar's baby through you because she belongs to me. <laughs> I'm thinking, Sarah, Sarah, really, what are you thinking? She was hoping for something, wasn't she? She was, hoping, she was grasping, trying to fix the problem on her own. And Abraham, instead of being the man of faith that he should have been and putting his foot down and saying, no, we're not going to get in God's way. We're, we're not going to preempt the, the plan of God. We're just going to wait on God. Here's Abraham. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> and so Sarah gives Hagar to Abraham. Abraham marries Hagar. He sleeps with Hagar. Hagar becomes pregnant with Abraham's baby. 
You think, okay, everything's good. Oh, no. No, it's not good. Because the Bible says as soon as that happened, as soon as Hagar realized she was pregnant, she looked with contempt on her boss, Miss Sarah. Now, I don't know if words were verbally spoken or not, but I know there was that look that Hagar gave to Sarah. Ladies, you know the look that women give to other women? Like, hey, I did something you can't do. I'm a little bit better than you. At least she was giving that look of contempt towards Miss Sarah, and it really ticked Miss Sarah off. She got mad, and so she stormed into the tent. She slammed the flap, (laughs) and she pointed her finger at her husband, Abraham, and said, all of this is your fault. (laughs) now you come come on now you're going now you're with me and Abraham said what are you talking about she said that maidservant that you got pregnant is showing contempt towards me because she's doing what I couldn't do I can't take it anymore what are you going to do about it And that's where we're going to pick up reading. Verse 6. So Abraham said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid... Where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall, be not, so that they shall not be counted for the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, El Roy, which means you are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? And may God add his blessings to the reading of his word. And ladies, may God speak this word into your hearts. Uh, Here we are. Things aren't good in Abraham's tent. I mean, everybody's mad at everybody. Everybody's ticked off. They're shouting at each other. They're in anger at each other. They're blaming each other. It is a wild time at Abraham's house. Everybody is mad at everybody. Family problems. Family problems. I say it again. Family problems. Anybody here in this room ever had family problems? Raise your hand. Because everybody's hand ought to be raised. Every one of us have had family problems no no matter how long you have been married. But you know what? 
in your home, faith has got to work. Because if Christian faith is not working in the home, it's just an artificial fake faith. If your faith doesn't work in your home, it's not going to work in the church. It's not going to work at your place of employment. It's not even going to work in your life. Faith has got to work at home. But what do you do when you got a situation like this and everybody's mad and everybody's yelling and everybody's blaming? It, it's chaotic. It, it is a problem situation. What do you do? Well, let's just examine this story and see what Hagar did. Number one, you need to look for what God is teaching you about yourself. Because even if it's not your fault that this is going on, God is going to use this problem to teach you something. God never wastes an opportunity like this to teach you something about yourself. Verse 7, now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. So here's a woman who has been badly hurt by others, but she has also hurt others. Remember how this went? She was showing contempt for Sarah. She was hurting Sarah, and now she has been hurt by Sarah. So she's running. She's in the desert. She is estranged from the relationships that have sustained her for the past at least 10 years. And so the angel of the Lord came looking for her. And the angel of the Lord pursued her. And the angel of the Lord found her. And I think that's a good word for us here today. God pursues us when we're running. And when we're estranged and alienated from the relationships that he wants us to have in our life and establish like at home, if we are running away from our home, at least emotionally, God is going to pursue us just like he pursued Hagar. And so this angel showed up. Interesting to me, this is the very first reference to angels that we find in the Bible. And if your Bible is like my Bible, the word angel has the capital A there. It wasn't just a angel. Theologians believe that this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ himself as an angel of God. And this angel has a message for Hagar. God is about to teach her something about herself. God is speaking in every situation if only we will listen. And you may think to yourself, you know what? God can't have anything to do with my situation. God wouldn't have anything to do with this, but he does. God takes every situation in our life and he teaches us from it. He teaches us something about ourselves. So Hagar is running from an abusive situation. And it apparently was a pretty bad one. I don't think Sarah was physically abusing her, but I'm telling you what, it ain't nothing like the wrath of a mama, is there? Or in this case of a wife, as Hagar showed Sarah contempt, Sarah made her life miserable. So she's running away. She's on the road going to Shur. That's on the way back to Egypt. So here's the picture. Hagar is running away from this bad situation, but she is running back to a worse situation. She came from Egypt. 
It was in Egypt that she was mistreated and sold as a slave. And so here's what this lady is doing. She is returning to a former bondage. She is leaving one situation and going into a situation that is much worse. And ladies, let me tell you, sometimes that just reoccurs. Sometimes we just keep running from one bad situation to another. And that's what Hagar is doing. So in verse number 8, the angel said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where did you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. So the angel asked her two questions. And let me tell you, these are a couple of pretty good questions that he's forcing Hagar to answer. In fact, they are not bad questions for us to ponder today. Number one, where'd you come from? And number two, where in the world are you going? You see, the way that we live our life out today, the way we flesh out life even in our homes, has been affected by the way we were treated at home. So, ladies, let me ask you, was there abuse in your past? Has there been abuse in your past? Think about it. Hagar was just a little servant girl. It was not her decision to sleep with Abraham and become pregnant. It was not her idea at all. But now she is being blamed for it and she is being mistreated by everyone at home. And life was no longer fair for Sister Hagar. She got to the point where she just couldn't take it anymore. So she fled, and she's headed back to Egypt. She was going back to another form of bondage, which I guarantee you was worse than the bondage she was living in. But you know what? At least Hagar was honest. She answered the question and said, well, I'm, I'm running away from that mean mistress I have, Sarah. And that just begs for us to do a little time out and a little check on ourselves. Are we running, for something, running from something? Ladies, let me specifically ask you, are you running from something in your past? You may not be running physically, but sometimes we run emotionally. Oh, we're still living at the same address and with the same people, but we checked out a long time ago. We are running, looking for an escape from the pain that we're living in. Hagar is running from the pain of her past. Hagar got what she thought would bring her fulfillment, a good life with Abraham and Sarah. Instead, it brought her heartache, gloom, and despair. And now she's running away from it. Some of you sitting here today might be miserable on the inside. You're miserable. You might be facing situations which you just wish you could run away from. It, it might be a job situation. You just wish you could run away from that job. It might be a situation in your home. You just wish you could run away from it. it I don't know. It may be the River Valley. <laughs> Maybe you feel like you don't belong here and you've never settled down and established roots and all you want to do is run like Hagar to a place where you think you might be able to find a little bit of peace and rest and refreshment. So she's running. Verse 9, the angel of the Lord said to her, okay, here, God's speaking to her now. 
He said, Hagar, listen up. I'm going to give you some instruction. This is what I want you to do. Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand of authority. Now let me give you an interpretation of that, at least from my perspective. What he is saying to to Hagar is this. Hagar, no matter how bad it's been, no matter how you've been mistreated, no matter the verbal abuse that you've received, I want you to go back home and do the right thing. Submit yourself to the authority of Sarah because Sarah was her boss. Literally, Sarah owned her. So you go back home and do the right thing. Now, understand this. God is always working in a situation if we're his child. And God is working in and through the painful things that happen even in your home. The solution is not to run from the pain. It is to grow through the pain. Living under the difficult circumstances is one of the ways in which God is building character in your life and making you more like Christ. It's one of the ways that we learn to love like Jesus. But you never grow if you run. And let me tell you a little secret here. If you're running from something God is trying to teach you, this is a bad situation. All you want to do is get away from it. So you run away from it. You're going to have to keep taking that same test over and over and over again until you pass the test. Does that make sense? Here's the point I'm wanting to make to you. We run way too easily. Especially in 2018, we run way too easily. We run from churches. We run from jobs. We run from marriages. We run from homes. We run away from relationships. And we do it way too quick. Watch for what God is doing in your present situation. God was literally saying to Hagar, you know what, sister? You can take this. You can handle this. Bible commentator Warren Wiersbe said this, Life is about 10% what you make it and 90% how you take it. Now, you may squibble with the percentages, but I think the principle is true. And God is telling Hagar the secret of making a bleak, hopeless, miserable situation tolerable is to do the right thing. You can never go wrong by doing the right thing. And he told her, I want you to return to that mean mistress and I want you to submit to her authority because I've got this situation under control. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're sitting right there and saying, well, preacher, what about, what about in, in relationships in homes where physical abuse takes place? What do we do when when there is a a wife and children who may be at risk physically because of an abusive uh, husband or dad? Now, I can't hardly talk about this without getting a little bit angry. And I don't mean to be angry with you men, but I'm telling you, if, if you physically abuse your wife and your kids, you're definitely not doing God's will. I know that. God says for you to love your wife, and you treat your wife as you treat yourself. Maybe you need one of our security guys to go home and, no, anyway. <laughs> I get that. I'm, 
So what, what do we advise a wife who's, who's in a physically abusive relationship? Well, as a pastor, I tell you, I, w- I would never tell a wife or children to go into a situation where physical harm could, could be there for them. That, that needs to be worked out, okay? That has to be worked out. But that's not what we're talking about here. That's not what this passage is all about. What we're talking about here is relational adversity, And you know what? You can't just run away from relational adversity. You stay at home and you do what God tells you to do. Kids, we talked about you last week with the prodigal son. Kids, don't run away from the authority of your parents. God has given your parents to you to rule over you in authority and to love you and discipline you and teach you what is right. That's biblical. And husbands and wives, it's the same thing. You don't run away from the responsibility and the vows that you took when you got married. You know what? You're not always going to see things the same way. On on tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. I'm so excited about tomorrow. I love May the 14th because stand up. Stand up, please. Just stand up. Grangie, stand up, baby. Tomorrow, 35 years ago, I married her. 30, we've been married 35 years. Mm. Awesome. Mm. I don't okay. want to let you okay. go either. Let's I, preach. Okay, preach. I love her more today than I did 35 years ago. Because really, honestly, 35 years ago, I was just this stupid, dumb kid. I, didn't, I was like, oh, love you, Angie, I love you so much. I didn't even know what love was. It was puppy love. And they call it puppy love. Someone help me. Help me, please. Y'all remember that song? Am I losing you? Keep preaching, she says. Go back to preaching. I loved her. No, I really didn't love her. I love her now. I love her now. But here's what I want to say to you. We don't always see things the same way. We don't always agree on everything. Have there been disagreements and arguments in the pastor's home over the last 35 years? God forbid, yes. Yes. I don't want to get too much into it. but Dude, let me tell you. It's just the way it is. And, and I mean, if, if she would have left every time we got into an argument, she would have been gone a long time ago and probably never come back. But you know what? When we stood in the front of Norman First Free Will Baptist Church and Brother Joe Grizzle asked us, do you? We said we do, and we did. And you just don't run away. I'm just on a roll right here. Let me just say this to you. I think it's great. It's awesome when you get married and then you move a long ways away from family. There's a blessing to that. Because, you know, she she couldn't just pack up and run run back home to Grandma Peggy. We lived in Enid, Oklahoma. And I mean, you know, I, I hid the keys to the car. I'm just joking about that. You stay at home. And you work it out. The angel says, go back and submit. Guys, this is the only way to experience the grace and the blessing of God in the adversity. Had she continued in the wilderness, it would have been disastrous. That baby inside her womb would have died. 
And the angel knew that even Hagar would have died. So God said, you go back where you're going to be safe and I'm going to take care of things. You submit to the circumstances that you dislike and I will work it out. So if you're in a situation like this, number one, that's my longest point. See what God is teaching you about yourself. Number two, learn what God is teaching you about other people. Because he's going to teach you about other people. That's what happens to Hagar. He not only taught her what he's doing in her life, but he also taught her what he's doing in the lives of those around her. Verse 10, the angel of the Lord said to her, I'm going to multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. You see, God was working in Hagar's life. He gave, he gave Hagar a promise. I'm going to bless you. Your son is going to be a nation. He's going to turn into a nation of people. Again, verse 10, he says that explicitly for her. I have a plan for your life. And notice that it's God who increases the descendants of Hagar. All of this is a product of Abraham and Sarah's lack of faith and disobedience to God. But God is big enough and powerful enough to even take other people's mistakes and work those for good in your life. Now look at verses 11 and 12. He says, the angel said to her, behold, you're with child and you shall bear a son. You're going to call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction He's going to be a wild man. His hand is going to be against every other man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brothers. You know, isn't it cool that God knows the destiny of every child? This, this is a, uh, Whitney posted a little uh, thing the other day that, that she, she's, uh, how, how far along? About three months, almost three months, right at three months. And that little, that little baby inside of her is the size of what? A lemon. Isn't that something? But God already knows all about that baby inside my baby. God knows if it's going to be a boy or a girl. God knows if, if uh, you know, when it's going to, what it's going to do and, and, and how long it's going to live. And He's already got plans for that baby. God knows. Isn't that awesome? God knows all about little Wrigley. That God knows what Wrigley's going to do in her life. He knows. He, he, he knew Ishmael. He knew what was going to happen in this kid's life. In fact, he he told Sarah about it. He told her, this kid's going to be a wild kid. Now, how would you like to hear that if you're a mama? The angel said, this child you're about to give birth to is going to be a real pain. He's going to be a bucking bronco of a kid. And you said, I already had that one. He's going to be a troubled child who grows into a troubled adult. Why in the world would God tell Hagar all of this? Well, God's preparing her because she needed to know this. But the primary reason he is telling her this is because this is going to be his name. You are to name him Ishmael. Now, back in the Old Testament, names meant something. Okay? Everybody's name meant something. It's not as much that way today. But you know what? I don't know about you, but I want to have a good name. Mason, let me tell you, in ministry, you need to have a good name. When people say Mason Polk, they need to think of a, of a good young man who loves the Lord and is faithful to preach the Word of God and does the right thing. You need to keep a good name about yourself. That's important, guys. I, more than anything, I want people, when they say Will Harmon, to think, you know what, there's a man of God right there. 
for that to happen, I've got to act like a man of God. And so do you. But these names in the Old Testament, they meant something. And he said, you're going to call this kid Ishmael. Here's the cool thing. What does Ishmael mean? Ishmael means God hears. Guys, wow. Do you see the mercy of God in this picture? Here is a servant girl who has been abused and mistreated, used and then thrown aside. Yet God comes to her and reassures her by saying, you know what? I hear. I hear. I hear the cries from your heart. I hear what's been going on in and through your life. I hear the torment and the groans and the frustrations that you've been crying out on the inside. And ladies, can I tell you today, God hears what's going on in your life. God hears the things that cut to your very heart. God hears those things that are said against you, that are totally unfair and nothing but lies. God hears the words that are said to hurt you. God hears even those words of bad news that have been delivered to you. He hears your words uttered through your tears and the screams that you make in anger. God hears. Woo! That's good news, man. God hears. You're not alone. God hears. But what's even better than that is point number three. In any situation, look for what God is teaching you about himself. This is amazing. Ronnie Fox, this is amazing, dude. God uses this Egyptian slave girl to give us a name for God that will enhance our faith in our lives and allow us to praise him on a different level. Again, names are important. And in the Old Testament, we have several Hebrew names for God that are given to us. Sometimes these names describe God's character. Other times they tell us what God does. And this lady, this Egyptian slave girl, gives us a brand new name for God, Genesis chapter 16, verse 13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, El Roy. Some, some people translate it or say it, El Rohi. Most say El Roy. What does El Roy mean? You are the God who sees. Right there, she gave us a new name for God. He is the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? And right there, on the way to Egypt, near Shur, Hagar became a worshiper of God. She calls God the one who sees. What a great way to praise God. He's the God who sees. He knows. He sees. He cares. Psalm 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to our cries. Psalm 33, 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in mercy. Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch both on the evil and the good. Ladies, let me put it to you like this. God loves you so much, he can't take his eyes off of you. He sees. He sees. 
He is El Roy. He is the God who sees. He sees you. As you pray, remember, He is the God who sees and hears. He hears and He sees. So keep praying. Maybe you're here today and you're worried. You're consumed with care. Well, be encouraged. God sees. And God is concerned with what you're concerned about. So this morning, come and cast all your cares on Him. Do you feel lost and alone? Do you feel abandoned? Well, let me tell you, He's there keeping watch over you. He sees and He understands. Why? Because He is El Roy, the God who sees. Maybe you're here this morning and you are under attack. Either at work or at home, you're under attack. Remember, there is a righteous judge who sees everything. He knows, and one day he's going to bring justice. So hang on to him. And I don't know, maybe you're here today and you're running from God. Do you think that God doesn't see that? He does. God sees what you're running from. He sees where you are and he won't let up on you. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're in the grip of some secret sin. And you, you're content just to enjoy the pleasures of this sin for a short time, for a season, the Bible says. And, and, and just, just live that way. Don't be mis- God sees that. And God is not going to leave you in your sin. God is going to pursue you. This morning, as I just spoke those words, God sent a spirit of conviction into your heart. And you know I'm talking to you, man. So quit running. Come and submit to his authority. You can't hide things from God. He sees. But not only does he see and bring conviction, he sees and brings comfort. And a lot of you ladies need that comfort today. No matter where you are, you need to be encouraged. Because listen to me, he is El Roy. He knows. He sees. And he cares. He cares about you. So why don't you come to him today? Could be you're here this morning, you've never been saved. God is speaking to your heart. Come today and be saved. Maybe you're here today and you're running from God. Come back to him. As we learned last week, that father, he's waiting for you. God's arms are outstretched. He's waiting to embrace you and welcome you back home today. Just come to him. Mamas, come today and pray. You know, I thought all week, what a great day. Sunday is a great day for families to come together, gather around the altar and pray as a family. When's the last time you prayed as a family? Do, do it today. Do it today. God will honor that. Dads, be a man. Lead the way. Mamas, if they don't, you get up and come. Drag them with you. <laughs> Nothing like a praying mama. But let's gather around our moms today and let's pray for them and thank God for them.